short time ago, an American airplane dropped one bomb on Hiroshima. Ich bin ein Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this. Oh, welcome back to the Cold War, uh, episode yeah. 218, subtitle, Shut the Fuck Up, Scotty B. Um, <laughs> My favorite title. He's been complaining that we haven't put out a Cold War episode. So look, we're recording this on the 14th of July, 2022. I'm... In LA, my last day, well, really my second last day in the United States, we mm-hmm. fly out tomorrow. Thank fuck. <laughs> um, it's been, I've had a great time, but uh, it's been a, it's a long time. A month yes. is a long time yes. to be on the road uh, with your family. Anyway. Um, Amongst Americans. Yeah. And so uh, we were, so Ray and I were in the Grand Canyon. I don't know. I don't know when it happened. At some point in the last <laughs> month, we we're in the Grand Canyon for a few days. Yes. And look, the plan. The plan was uh, we were going to sit down when we we're in the Grand Canyon and record some episodes. Um, we did manage to get a Renaissance episode done, um, mm-hmm. but then it, it was just too crazy. Uh, we, yeah. We're not going to. We're not going to go into all the all, all the dramas that happened. When we we're in the Grand Canyon, because you know lives were ruined, right. reputations were destroyed, um, assholes, assholes right. were stretched. Um, <clears throat> so then, anyway, we, I said to Ray in the Grand Canyon, "Look, if we don't, if we don't get it done here, don't worry about it. We'll do it. Uh, we'll just do it next week when I'm in yeah. Utah or, or piece, of cake. piece of cake." But then, of course, uh, you caught COVID, Ray. Right. Uh, it took me a while, but I finally got it off my bucket list. And you got a big dose. Oh, I got it. I got it. And you caught COVID. Mm. (laughs) His name was COVID. And it turns out he had COVID. Uh, Yeah, no, I got it. And because I'm a loving person, I shared it with all my family. All eight of us uh, within a matter of days uh, had it. Um, So you're And you're you're still recovering. I'm still. um, I know that me at a hundred percent is not that impressive. I get that. I've been used to it for years. Heather, I mean, pray for her. But the point is I'm not even a hundred percent. I'm about 85%. So if you could wow. all lower your expectations of me this time, hmm. I think we'd all get along. Wow. Fine. That's, yeah. that's saying something. Um, I also caught COVID. Yes. Yes. Here. Yeah. Well, the tongue action. I think the, the current thing, I initially had assumed we caught it from you guys or we all caught right. it from the same source. Yeah. Because we came down with symptoms, um, a few, you know, a few days after you reported having it. But right. current theory is that, um, in fact, we caught it separately from Chrissy's family in Utah. Mm-hmm. You know, good, good, uh, good Mormons. Um, yeah. Introduction. First night in Cedar City, Chrissy's hometown. Uh, we dropped Fox off with one of her cousins who's got 28 kids because we had to go to Chrissy's uh, school reunion. And then we found out <coughs> later that one of their kids had COVID and they just didn't bother to tell us. And Fox played with that kid all night. Then Chrissy went in and picked him up, etc., etc. Mind you, before the school reunion, we were at her family reunion where there was 4,000 people right. um, and uh, nobody was wearing masks there. 
either. No one was wearing masks at the school reunion. And Utah is the has the sixth highest number of cases per capita in the United States at the moment, so not surprising. Anyway, we got over it in like a day and a half. Yeah. And i got to tell you, uh, uh, the best day, I, Chrissy was already sort of over it symptoms-wise. She still tested positive this morning, like a week right. later, but... Right. Um, she's got a bit of a cough, but we, but after about a day and a half, Chrissy got over the symptoms and she went out wearing a mask. Um, this is before, um, has she tested positive? Yes. She was going to catch up with her family in a park, distancing, you yeah. know, uh, responsible. Uh, this is, we're in Salt Lake City at this stage by the time this happened. Right. We didn't test positive till we we're leaving Cedar City. Uh, anyway, she left me in the Airbnb by myself. And uh, so I had nothing to do for the day. I was feeling not too bad, like a cough, bit, bit congested you know, running a fever, but, you know, not too bad. Right. Anyway, I thought this was my one opportunity, so I got really fucking baked and <laughs> um, listened to uh, David Bowie's <clears throat> Scary Monsters album with my That's AirPods you, on. I got to tell you, it was the greatest yeah. day. I was, I was, it was like my worst day of COVID. Right. And I had the best day because yeah, I just got best really yeah. high. Turning and negative. Just, oh, yeah. man, listening yeah. to Scary Monsters album with headphones on when you're high, so great. Like, it yeah. just, it, it explodes into this 360-degree symphonic thing. Right. I can hear... I can hear minor, you know, tracks that I've never noticed before, and they're all popping out, and, oh, just... And Melody. orgasmic yes. just an orgasmic experience it was the greatest thing right <coughs> no responsibilities nothing to do lying in bed might as well get high and listen to bowie oh the podcast i can almost match that um day two of uh after i was tested after i tested positive it, it was bad um and and i was saying on I was saying somewhere else, this is not political. Do whatever you got to do to not get COVID because it stripped me of everything. Every little tiny ounce of energy, every layer of defense, every bad decision I've ever made in my life going back to age eight. I mean, you it literally takes everything from you and you go on this roller coaster ride and you can't do anything to protect. I know this sounds weird, but the point is imagine being stripped of every bit of defense and rehashing your mistakes you know what i should have put on bowie i see that now yeah. I mean, a huge mistake. Yeah. But, but it snuck up on me i had a high temperature i was delirious i was so messed up i didn't know that i was messed up and mm-hmm. i went through my life and uh it was it was intense some good some bad try not to get covid uh just get high instead mm. it's my there you go wisdom yeah. from ray all right let's get on to the show so look our plan for these shows yes because I was traveling, Ray was traveling. We hadn't, we, we didn't have an opportunity to prepare for stuff like we would normally do. With the with the shows that we were doing in this in my US trip, I said let's do like summary shows. Yeah. Let's just talk freely, uh, from the heart, from the balls, about what we've done. So we're not going to make a lot of progress here today. I'm sorry to tell you, but we're going right. to recap everything yeah. that we've done. Now, we started this show, the Cold War show. April 2016. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, six years, six and a bit years ago, we started the Cold War show. We started with mini biographies on Churchill, Roosevelt, and Stalin. Then we did some episodes on economics, uh, Mm -hmm. socialism versus capitalism, 
Then we started on the Yalta Conference, uh, which took place in 1945. Right. Um, six years later, uh, we're up to the Korean War, uh, 1950. So right. it's taken us six years to cover five years of actual events. Uh-huh. Right. Now we've 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 jumped in and out and gone through yeah. to yeah. this and that and a bit and the other. We've gone back in time a bit to cover things like you know the Vietnam, you know, the history of Vietnam and the Vietnam right. War and that kind of stuff. But uh, five, six years to cover five years of timeline. Uh, it's almost like we're doing it in real time. So right, You're the events of 1991, the the official end of the Cold War. Even though we started our series by saying, did it really end? We don't think so. Right. And I think subsequent events have proven us correct. Absolutely. We're, you know, now, you know, with US and Russia and China all at it again, it's all, it's all still going on. We predicted that it wasn't over, and, and in fact, it's not. But the events of 1991, you know, the end of the bringing down of the Berlin Wall in 89, mm-hmm. and then 91, the, you know, the, the sort of dissolution of the USSR, right. uh, took place 46 years after 1945. So we started in 2016. If we do it in real time, 46 mm-hmm. years from now, 2061, I think we might be finishing the series, if we're lucky. Right. Uh, There'll be that's light if we at fin- the end of the tunnel. Exactly. Well, that's if we finish in 1991. Of course, you know, the right. events in the next 46 years or 40, yes. 40 years, we may, you know, we may have to keep going and right. to talk about real-time events. So 1961, I will be uh, 90, uh, <laughs> 91. Um, don't know how old you'll be. Um, uh, 96. 96? Something yeah, like that. Right. So what you're saying is I need to keep my calendar open for a while. That's yeah. what I'm hearing. All right. That's it. Just don't just make any it. plans. <laughs> and any of you listeners don't either. Okay. We're going deep. We started with this quote uh, from Daniel Ellsberg, the guy who leaked the Pentagon Papers, one of the real Cold War warriors. He was 84 years old when we started. He'd be 90 now, about the same age I'll be when we finish the show. He, uh, The quote I started with was, the understanding of the Cold War that 99 out of 100 Americans hold right now is a fairy tale. Yes. Now, you were an American when we started this, right? I'm not... <laughs> Right? Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, not, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure what your affiliation is now. Internationalist slash Portuguese. Go ahead. I I feel like, tell me if I'm wrong, I feel like your view of America has changed in the six years we've been doing this show. Am yes. I right in yes. uh, my assessment? Yeah. yeah. Let me just, I'll just say this real quick and then you can go on. I don't mean to interrupt your flow. But when the when the uh, World War II ended and the Cold War started, I think a lot of the people in position, the people in the room, if you will, to borrow from Hamilton, knew that this was about economics. Um, there was a degree of the 1930s influence from the preachers about, you know what, all communists are evil. evil. But the point is, so they kind of knew what they were doing going in. By the time I'm born in 1966, the message is down, Pat. Communists are evil. They literally deserve no mercy. They are atheists. They deserve whatever they get. And uh, we should wipe them out with an atomic or nuclear bomb. I mean, they deserve it because they're that evil. That was the message that I got. There was no questions. There were no filters. There were no opposing sides like they're recommending doing today in history books. Um, It was all just we're right. They're wrong. And it was absolute. And it took me decades to even 
question the very basis of that idea. And then you come along uh, with your Miley Cyrus wrecking ball between my testicles and wreck what I had held in my head for decades. And so, yes, my view on the Cold War and America and our foreign policy has changed just a bit, just this much. My fingers are very close together, this much. So we might have been wrong uh, a couple times. I'm done. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and when I say that the Cold War is still going on, like the, the thing that never ceases to amaze me is mm-hmm. when I read news coverage coming out of the United States, but Australia is not much better, about Russia's actions today, about China's yes. actions today. The way that, yeah, the way that it's painted is very black and white. It's always their evil, their intent on world domination. Um, there's no nuance. There's no uh, complexity. There's right. no, there's no explanation yeah. of, of cause and effect. There's no right. understanding of cause and effect. No, you know, so it's... As is. It, it's it's Cold War mentality, and I see this coming out of Americans uh, as well as in, in the media. And of course, most Americans, most people in Australia, uh, get their views on world events from the media. So if the media is taking a very black and white, good versus evil approach to covering the stories, then it makes sense that most people would, would have the same sort of um, interpretation of events. And, and it's... Right. It's this fairy tale that Daniel Ellsberg mentioned. It's it, it's true of most Americans' understanding of the Cold War. It's also true of most Americans' understanding of global events today, I think. Although, Absolutely. look, I have been surprised Yeah, a couple of times. A couple of times. A couple of times. <laughs> I've been impressed in this trip. A couple of times. Yeah. Went, out to, went out to dinner with um, one of Chrissy's cousins. Um, great guy. Um He's actually the founder of uh, and CEO of MemberPress, the software that we use to run our subscriptions on the back of this show and all of our other shows. Right. Um, <clears throat> great guy, Blair. Anyway, and I was talking to him over dinner about Americans uh, believing the propaganda, and he said, "Well, like what? Give me an example." I said, "Well, give, let me let me let me ask you a question. Um, what's the what's your understanding of the reasons for what's going on in Ukraine at the moment?" And he said, NATO expansion. Um, and I was like, oh, fuck. Okay. Well, you got me there. <laughs> right. I wasn't expecting that one. And as yeah. far as I know, I, last time I, we talked politics, uh, he's sort of a Trump supporter, you know, right wing GOP kind of guy. So I was like, oh, okay. Um, so it might be that they have a better understanding of it than the left in this country. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, his brother, one of his brothers, uh, who I like, a uh, great guy, his, I was talking with him and his wife. And his wife's a school teacher. And I said, remind me what you teach. And she said, uh, Cold War. Uh, history. I said, excited. like, what? She goes, oh, with uh, Cold War stuff. I was like, really? And uh, <clears throat> and I asked her, you know, what she teaches. And, you know, she gave me a really good sort of summary on uh, some of the problems with American understanding of Cold War. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, wow, shit, that's great. But she said, but, you know, we, we, we have to cover all of this in like two lessons. So, yeah. you know, yeah. we don't get into, we don't have the opportunity to get into the complexities of it. But she, she was very well aware of the sort of rattle, the, the Christianization of America of, uh, as a tool 
to fight communism, that kind of stuff. And mm. then at Christie's school reunion, I got talking with some people there. Uh, there was this one couple, um, and I think the husband had actually been to Australia on his mission. You know, Mormons go and do a mission oh, when they're like right. 18. He'd been to Australia, this is decades ago, on his mission, but he and his wife had travelled a lot. And I always, I was like talking to Americans who have travelled a lot because I think um, gives them a different perspective if they get out of the bubble for a while. Yes. And um, I said, you know, what, based on all your travelling, what do you think uh, the perspective is of Americans around the world? And he said, yeah, it's not good. And deservedly so. We've done a lot of really yeah. bad shit. So We've earned it. So, you know, I've, I've been pleasantly surprised in some of my conversations uh, with Americans. Um, uh, but generally speaking, you know, judging by what I see on Facebook, uh, the general majority still have this black and white view of things like Russia and, and China yeah. and, and that kind of stuff today. Speaking of uh, black and white, uh, Chrissy and I were yeah. watching last night a movie recommended to me by Hunter, my son. It's a it's an Indian movie called R R R three letter R's. It stands for yeah. Rise, Roar, Revolt. I think um, nice. set set in sort of I think the nineteen twenties in India, colonial India, the British Raj, mm. and it's about these two guys who are based on two real characters who were uh, revolutionaries against the Raj. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this film, they're depicted as basically superhero badasses who. Literally, are built like Schwarzenegger in his prime. These guys are fucking like super, super ripped, but then they can do right. amazing dance sequences as well. Like it's a, it's a, well, that's important. It's a it's an action yeah. movie in heart. They're fighting tigers and fighting the Raj and fighting each other, and <laughs> it's <laughs> fantastic. But then they break into a dance sequence. It's terrific. Um, you got to celebrate. I know, and it's great, but. The, the the depiction of the British in it is very uh, black and white and evil. Um, right. Which, um, you know, it's interesting. It's the same as the, the uh, Chinese film, The Battle of Lake Shangling, that we talked about. Mm-hmm. I'm really interested to see these really big budget, glossy, highly produced films coming out of China and India at the moment that depict the West as... right blatantly evil black and white but yes. from their perspective you know the west is the black they're the white the same right. sort of propaganda that you know we've seen in most hollywood films since you know forever um mm-hmm. but now they're doing their own version of hollywood propaganda coming right. out of of uh, well, bollywood and uh, china i don't know what the china's china chollywood probably chollywood i think it's what we call chinwood <laughs> I, I don't i don't it feels wrong. That it sounds like wrong. a Bruce Campbell documentary. Chinwood, his his autobiography was if these chins if this chin could talk. I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, um, but would you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say. So when they do what we did back then, e- even though they're doing it today, their um, their depiction is probably more accurate. Yes, it's it's over the top, but it. I mean the British went in there and said, this is ours. We now rule it. We're going to have clubs in your country where your own people can't come in. It's only meant for Brits. So yeah, pretty fucking bad. Whereas we were just kind of pulling shit out of our ass because we don't want the American people to start going, Oh, maybe communism's not the worst thing in the world. So yeah, they're, they're doing it too, but at least theirs is probably a bit more accurate 
than our propaganda back in the 40s and 50s. And the 80s and the 90s. Like the depiction of, uh, you know, in every lethal weapon movie or Bond movie or whatever movie, oh, you know, your Russians, yeah. uh, you know, your, your Asians, evil, yeah. evil guys, just straight Bad up guys. negative yeah. depictions. Anyway, yeah. um, so we, we started with the Daniel Ellsberg quote and then um, we, we did the biographies. We got into the bomb was the uh, first... Oh, there was a bomb, wasn't After there? Yalta. After yeah. we did Yalta, Yalta, right. Yalta, Yalta, Yalta for... And, I, and, and I'm thinking it's been so long since we've done Yalta, people might have forgotten, so maybe we should just recap. Uh, Bring up those 75 pages of notes and... The 27 episodes that. we did on Yalta. But... I remember we did we did make the point we justified all of the episodes we did on Yolda by saying it all starts here really, yes. And I yes. think that has proven to be uh, true. I think that the problems that uh, Churchill, FDR, and uh, the West had with Stalin really emanated out of Yalta. Like, we were all buddies, defeated the Nazis, we're going to join up to defeat the Japanese. But then at Yalta, the, the inability for them to nail Stalin down on specifics, specifics regarding yeah. particularly Germany, a little bit of Poland, yeah, how it was going to well, why look. why should he? Exactly. From his Why perspective, hey, yeah. we will come to this at a later time. Yeah. We'll we, to, we will get to it. Let's, yeah. let's not... Uh, broad strokes. Broad strokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. <laughs> right. And then, of course, the foreign ministers were supposed to resolve it and never did. I think yeah. their frustration with their inability to, get to nail him down on those sorts of things started a chain of events. Now, mm. you know, uh, who's responsible for that... Um, is a good question. I mean, Stalin, it would seem it was deliberate. He wanted to keep it loosey goosey because he didn't want to commit to anything. Um, we know from his discussions with um, his foreign minister and people like that, that that was probably a deliberate strategy on his behalf to keep it loose so he could drive a truck through it later on. And smart. Well, it yes, was also smart. Right. It was good negotiating, right? That's what yeah. good negotiators do that. To, so, so to say that, you know, he was evil because he did that or, or, or he took advantage of them. I mean, they ran out yeah. of time. You know, they were there for whatever it was, I think two weeks, uh, two to three weeks, mm -hmm. Yalta went on. And, um, you know, it was clever on Stalin's part, but the blowback on that was, of course, yeah. uh, they, they developed the bomb and didn't tell him about it, hid it from him. Uh, so... You know, he uh, and he knew. There's no trust. Yes. Oh, yeah. We also did a series on the Cambridge Five uh, early on, too. Mm -hmm. So the, the lack of trust between the great powers, uh, you know, had always been there. I mean, they they, they obviously weren't friendly before World War II. Um, right. Churchill had made comments about wanting to kill all of the Jews and the atheists and the communists. And uh, they both invaded Russia, obviously, in 1918, 1990, 1920, um, you know, to support the royals. Mm -hmm. um, but they had forged a bit of a, a trust basis, particularly Stalin and FDR, I think, 
had a level of uh, respect for each other and trust for each other. That started to really fracture at Yalta. Then, obviously, FDR died. And I seem to recall that just before he died, he was pounding his fist on the table uh, back in Washington or wherever the fuck he was getting handjobs from his mistress in the wheelchair, um, com- complaining about Stalin uh, not being up, up yeah. front, not being forthright and, um, you know, trying to slip it in, in the cracks. Yeah. Um, as a politician. So, uh, yeah, but, you know, there, there, there is a good argument to be made that when you're in an alliance, when you're in a partnership, uh, you need to mm-hmm. give a little. You know you know that better than anybody. You know, you, 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 right. in a good marriage, you've got to give some. Give a little something, something. If, I understand that, but if I can embody Stalin's anus for a second, I think it would say something like this. Give... Bitch, we've given twice um, to the tune of tens of millions of our people, tens of thousands of villages. You have wiped out our industries. You have wiped, you know, you've taken over where we grow our wheat that feeds the fucking world. Uh, We've given. We're not given anymore. Uh, This is for you. This is for the tank you rode in on. But no, I mean, yes, Stalin did horrible things, horrible person, yada, 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 yada. But if you just look at it from his point of view, I mean, he's protecting his own. You know what? There's not going to be a third time. Fuck you. I will keep these countries. I will keep my army here. We're not going through this again. Can you blame me? But but like you were saying a second ago, because he does things like that, the onus is on him. He gets the label as the bad guy, the, the guy who breaks up um, the alliance. It's bullshit. I really, and I wanted to ask you this. I really can't see a capitalist country and a communist country working things out uh, to a degree that would be mutually beneficial without some kind of threat like Hitler. And as soon as Hitler's gone, they're going to revert back to norm and they're not going to be able to get along. Um, that's certainly one interpretation of what has happened. Yeah, and, and you're right. There was, a, there was a fundamental distrust on both sides. The, the mm-hmm. communists uh, legitimately believed and had believed f- forever that yeah. the Western powers, <laughs> it's funny, sorry, uh, so at some point after I left you, we ended up outside of a place called Panguitch in Utah. We were staying at a teepee, just outside of Panguitch, right. and um, we're looking, we, the first, it's near Bryce Canyon, so the first night we were there, we went up and had a look at Bryce Canyon, and then we were looking for somewhere to eat, and I had spotted a place um, on the road from... Panguitch to Bryce Canyon, um, little burger joint side of the road, looked kind of cool, kind of funky, in the middle of nowhere, mm. like just fucking desert everywhere, right? So I thought, let's go back to that place. That looked kind of cool. So we go in, sit down, and uh, this this guy, about 70 years old, comes out, white guy, um, very sort of worn face, and says, hello, uh, you, you, want, you, you, you want some food? And we said, yeah, and he goes, right. Points at me, I'm getting you a hamburger. Points at Fox, cheeseburger. Points at Chrissy, hamburger. Uh, coffees, yep, okay, great. Sit here. No, not there. Sit over here. The wind's too big here. Sit over here. He just takes control. And we were like, great, because we were like exhausted. We we're like, fucking yes. That's yes. that's what I want. Yes. Please tell me. Somebody take tell control. Me what to do. Anyway, <clears throat> had a great meal. 
really good burgers, and um, he had an accent. I said, where are you from? He goes, oh, I've lived here for 50 years, but I'm from Prague, from the Czech Republic. Uh, okay. Oh, cool. And he had a big sign up saying, freshly baked croissants every morning. I said, well, we're going to come back for breakfast tomorrow. He said, all right. So we went back for breakfast uh, the next day to this place, and really great croissants. We're sitting in the house, and... Uh, he said, what are you doing today? Chrissy said, well, Fox and I are going to go hike Bryce Canyon. Cameron's looking for a place to work with Wi-Fi. He goes, you stay here. You stay with me. I have Wi-Fi. I give you food. I give you Wi-Fi. You stay here. I look after you. I was like, fuck yeah. Okay. His, name, his name's Evo. I-V-O. Evo. Anyway, end up spending the whole day at Evo, uh, Evo's place. Um, great conversations. Uh, 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 his wife is Swiss. Uh, she's great. And then he had a bunch of young guys there, like in their 20s, from Prague, distant mm-hmm. family. They come over for work experience. Right. So he has these guys come over. They do like six months, 12 months, mm-hmm. work and holiday thing, and then they go back. And uh, they're all chess players, so I end up playing chess with one of these guys a lot. But then, uh, so we, 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 Chrissy picked me up about 3.30, and, and we left. And I said, we're going to come back for dinner. And he said, well, I've got friends coming for dinner um, at 8 o'clock. So I'm going to do the normal dinner for customers at six. Can you be back by six? I said, you know, no problem. So we got back at six and he said, you know what? Fuck it. You just have dinner with us and our friends. Big family dinner. So <laughs> right. he did. We stayed around all night. Big fa- He cooked for all of these people. Massive family dinner. Wow. We're just sitting in wow. the house. He goes, next time you come here, you stay in my house. You stay for free. Um, and he co- and by the way, this guy's lifestyle, he works five months a year, tourist season, then he shuts up and he travels the world yes. for the rest of the year. He's always done oh, this. Man. And he goes to Australia uh, more often than not, goes to D- the West Coast though, Perth, and goes up to Darwin. Okay. So he said when he comes to Australia in February, he's going to come and hang out with us and stay with us. And then we're going to stay with him whenever we're in Panguitch and blah, blah, blah. Let's go. Anyway, I ended up talking with his his young guys uh, while we were playing chess that night after dinner about Cold War history because they're from the Czech Republic. I said, uh, you know, what do you what do you learn about communism growing up in the Czech Republic? And they were like, well, you know, uh, uh, generally, you know, my one of the guys was saying, you know, my parents and my grandparents say, you know, it was much better under communism than it is now. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's uh, really tough now. But under, under communism, it was good. You know, everyone had a job. Everyone got looked after. Right. As, unless you were the enemy, uh, unless you were the enemy of the state, you know, life was good. Um, anyway, nice. uh, my point was going to be that what I explained to them was this distrust. Mm-hmm. The communists genuinely believed, and rightfully so, that the West, the capitalists in the West, would not allow communism to succeed anywhere in the world because if it did, they were worried that the people back home would go, oh, how come those people have all this good shit um, and we don't? Now, here's the irony of that. They didn't, they didn't, they needn't have worried because... You know, I, I walk around today in America and say to Americans, you know, back in my country, women have the right to an abortion. Back in my country, everyone gets free health care. Back in my country, everyone gets very cheap education. Uh, back in my country, we don't have medicine. M- mass murders, mass shootings right. every day. Um, back in my country, it doesn't cost $2 billion to become president. 
back in my country. And Americans go, yeah, fuck you in your country. Who gives a fuck what you've got in your country? This is a fucking America. We do it the American way. It doesn't fucking matter what you... Fuck you in your fucking socialist country. We don't care. So the the capitalists needn't have worried because Americans don't give a shit, apparently, that people have it better in other countries. They're like, ah, it doesn't matter. We Yeah, it sucks sucks here, but at least it's America. (laughs) I'd rather suck here in america than be a happy successful australian yeah. fuck you but that shows how well the programming combined with the nationalism has done i would rather be a poor suffering one-legged one testicle <laughs> american than a rich australian yeah, but, but you know but nationalism is a powerful thing whether you're using it for good or for bad it's always powerful it's always intense and you gotta you got a sampling there of what propaganda how powerful propaganda can be when mixed with nationalism exactly national they did a yeah. they did a very good job so the, the communists gener- common sense fuck common sense sorry go the ahead. communists believed that the west would take them down and yes. uh the west believed that the communists wanted to take over the world and rape all of their women and uh turns right. out that was just bill cosby and um <laughs> donald trump and some bills yeah right um the catholic right. church wanted to rape all the children right. um possibly r kelly go ahead <laughs> not possibly he's he's good point been sent to jail Guilty for like 20 fun. years yeah um yeah he's he's done so uh, the, ideologically, they just didn't they didn't trust each other. They had different views, mm-hmm. um, and so they went at it. Now, this gets us to the bomb. So they didn't tell Churchill about. Uh, sorry, they didn't tell Stalin about the bomb, uh, even right. though he obviously had his spies, the Cambridge Five, that were telling him what was going on. So you had this mm-hmm. pre-existing distrust, and then Yalta added to it, and then the bomb added to it. And you know everything just kept adding to this distrust, and and the propaganda on both sides continued to grow. They're out to get us. They're out to get us. The paranoia, the anxiety. I mean, you know, in the West we always accuse, talk about Stalin as being paranoid, um, mm-hmm. but the West was paranoid at equal or greater measure about what the communists were going to do, and we know right. that you know. Certainly, that wasn't their plan at the time. The the Russians, the Soviets, yeah. Stalin was advocating communism in one country, partly to mollify the West, but also because twenty million people dead, as you said, a country uh, yeah. completely rebuilding, destroyed, rebuild. has to rebuild. Yeah. It was going to be a long time, a decade, decades before he would be able to do anything much, right? In terms of actively promoting. Uh, communism etc but that's where we got to so then uh, in our series we talked about the bomb now um, the recap on the bomb from my perspective is that uh, uh, the the utilization of it anyway uh, was that there was no real reason to use the bomb on Japan the Japanese were going to surrender anyway as soon as their peace treaty or or non um non what do you call it non um violence non whatever non-aggression pact yeah that's it non-aggression pact with uh russia lapsed which was going to happen in august 1945 from memory um but 
and it was like a couple of days away from happening. Soviet Union was a couple of days away from declaring war on Japan right. when right. they dropped the bomb. Yeah. Yeah, because remember, there's this, um, it was on YouTube, but uh, yeah, basically this guy was like uh, saying, you know, if you go back and look at the timeline, the Soviets were about to invade and take some serious ass territory from the Japanese. And they're like, the only thing we could possibly do is surrender and go to the negotiating table and keep some of this. So it was the threat of the Soviets combined with the threat of Americans. Uh, but Truman, out of his depth, not a not a skilled politician, not a worldly politician like FDR, no patience whatsoever. He's acting like a 12 year old boy. And the bomb was for the benefit of uh, Stalin to, hey, we got this. Don't fuck with us. Even though, as you just said, Stalin had no intention of fucking with anybody, probably for at least 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. Truman and his secretary of state, um, whose name escapes me. Can you remember his secretary of state at that point? The guy that gets replaced by... Um, yeah, I didn't ask you who he gets replaced by. I ask you who he yeah. is. Well, that's I'm, that's my path to getting. Fuck you. Um, yeah. Anyway. Oh God, I'm looking right at him. Anyway, sorry, I apologize. Uh, whatever his name was, um, you know, they seem to have made the decision to use the bomb. Uh, it kind of left it up to then the air force to drop it, make the decisions about targets and that kind of stuff, but. They right. gave it the green light, despite the misgivings of a lot of senior uh, military, scientific, yes. uh, civilian uh, advisors. They used it anyway, uh, and then <clears throat> seemed to have partially regretted. I think Truman regretted it. Is my take on it? Mm -hmm. um, after he saw what it did, he was like, "Oh fuck! I don't want that on my conscience." Yeah. He justified it though right. for the rest of his life. But he had to. Yes, but my my sense is that he, uh, you know, he certainly didn't want to use it again. And um, you know, as we we haven't even got up to this in the Korean War yet, but obviously stopped MacArthur from using it when he wanted to drop it on China. Right. Yeah. Um. So the bomb was the the bomb was obviously a major turning point, uh, in the Cold War because yeah. They did. It heightened everything. They dangled yeah. it in front of the Soviets as a threat. Yes. So they started. You know, it was a, It was an implicit, an implied threat against the Soviet Union that yeah, saying, you know, look at us the wrong way and we'll drop some of these fucking things on you. And the Soviets didn't know how many yeah. of them they had. They could add a hundred or thousand. They had none after they used them both. But the Soviets didn't know that. Um, and of course, right. then they, you know, were building their own bomb, uh, which they finally finished a few years later. And of course, that started to change the dynamic of the Cold War yeah. as well, once they had the bomb as well. But let me just ask you quick. You have two sides who are opposing, and but they're still ramping up in their op opposition. And suddenly one side goes, you know what? I literally have the capability of destroying every major city in your country not just burning it i can literally wipe it out and wipe out all your people i mean any sense of uh communications or even the a chance at any kind of beginning of trust or whatever goes right out the window because literally one side is holding all the cards why should they negotiate and then why should the weaker side trust them i mean 
this was this literally was the beginning of so many missteps, mis miscommunications, lack of trust, and it just built from there, which is sad enough, but you're now you're talking about nuclear weapons added to the mix. I mean, I think we said this before, it's kind of amazing we're all still sitting here. Yeah. Um, so we had the bomb. <clears throat> then we talked about Castro because Castro died in there, and we, we did mm -hmm. a couple of episodes on Castro. We still haven't got to the... Cuban Revolution, but hopefully somewhere in the next 40 years we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> Definitely. Probably. Uh, then we did Vietnam. Uh, we started on the Ho Chi Minh Vietnam series. Amazing, amazing man. Do you, want, do you want to do a quick recap of that story? I'm just trying to, trying to come up with another example of someone who was willing to devote their entire life to the independence of their country. And like you said... He said, I will work with anyone. So basically, yeah, it's, a, it's just another country that's ruled by the Europeans. They're taking all the resources out. Everybody who suffers in the country, he comes along. He's well-read. He's well-traveled. He's like, there's got to be a better way. We've got to be able to rule our, ourselves. Travels all over Europe, goes to, to America. Cannot get anyone to help him with this problem because basically they're not important enough. Maybe if there was a whole bunch of oil there, America would have done something. But the point is, he was never ever to get any help, so he had to do you know do a lot of it on his own. But he was willing to not waste. He was willing to take his entire life to achieve this. Just one of those leaders that is very rare and is so um, whatever the opposite of self uh, self centered is selfish. This man was just willing to devote selfless. selfless he was able to willing to devote everything about his life to this cause very few of us can honestly say that or, or match that yeah yeah in my mind ho chi Minh is fucking jesus man like yes he, <clears throat> but better jesus, than jesus, jesus. Yeah. because a he, he did it for 50 years and b right uh he's real um and there's an idea fictional, and he's also dark-skinned like Jesus, but mm, that's a whole nother. Like Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, so, you know, from, I think, about 1919, the Paris Peace Conference, when I think he was about 19. Right. Or 20, 21, something like that. You know, he went to Paris, tried to get a petition to Woodrow Wilson to say, yeah. please help us get rid of the French. Uh, Wilson gave him double, double fingers up, and <laughs> that was it. Uh... You know, so he looked around, well, who, the Americans don't give a shit. Who might give a shit? Oh, the communists have just taken power in uh, Russia and they're talking about freedom for all oppressed peoples. That's how you do it. So started to align himself with the Marxists. But even then, in World War II, when he was back in his country after being in exile for decades, right, uh, trying to get rid of the Japanese out of the country, you know, approached the OSS, forerunner to the cia and they liked him oh yeah they were like the, the yeah, guys yeah. that dealt with him they're like yeah this guy we can work with this guy he's a good guy good people he's hap happy to work with us he's happy right. to join our club if we support him in first getting rid of the japanese and then secondly keeping the french out right and uh, the americans were like fuck him who does he think he is we do whatever the fuck we want right. now from the american perspective getting rid of the japanese was all good but the french you know, going back to after World War One and after World War Two, though even though they the, the Americans and the British hate the French, uh, they kind of need the French to act as yeah. a buffer 
to yes. Germany and, and also then the Soviet Union. So, yeah, they were like, mm, on one hand, freedom of all peoples. On the other hand, we kind of need the French. So, <laughs> fuck freedom of all people for all peoples. Right. Uh, we'll just keep the colonialism going when it's convenient. You know, it's... Yes. Because again, and look, this is the... You know, this is the the, the basic truths uh, of all of this that we've been talking about in the Cold War show. It's not about right versus wrong. It never has been. It's exactly. not about good right. versus evil. It's about right. my strategic interests versus your strategic interests. That's mm-hmm. what it's always been about, what it's always will be about. Yes. Where what's important to me is my strategic interests. It's not... We, we, we wrap it up with bows and ribbons and we say freedom and democracy and liberty Kumbaya. and all this kind of bullshit. Yeah. But at the end of the day, what it's really about is my strategic interests versus your strategic interests, my economic interests versus your economic And my strategic interests are just about protecting my economic interests, let's be honest. That's And, and my safety, which is also my economic interest because life has a value. Um, it's all about protecting my economic interests. Where, yeah. and by mine, I don't mean the entire country, really. <laughs> I mean, I literally mean what? me and, and what? a handful of yeah. Yeah. handful of my friends, rich white guys who are my campaign supporters. The best lads, the best bunch of boys. Anyway, we run yeah. the country. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, Ho Chi Minh then did, dedicated his entire life first of getting rid of the French, then getting rid of the Japanese, then getting rid of the French again, and then getting rid of the Americans. And he died in his 70s, uh, a couple of years before the Vietnam War officially ended. Um, Dedicated his entire adult life to a cause, the freedom and independence of his people. Um, Absolutely, you know, fucking monumental like I, I i yeah i cannot even begin to get into the mind space of a guy right. like ho chi Minh, and he should be revered he should yes. be he like he should be treated the same way that gandhi or nelson mandela or jfk vakla uh, Favell, or yeah 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 martin luther king martin well luther you king. know yeah he should be idolized Peaceful. By people around the world, yes, as one of the great leaders of his of his of a of a nation who fought, gave his entire life yes. to fight for the freedom and independence and liberty of his people. If if we really cared about freedom and liberty, we'd be honouring people like Ho Chi Minh right. in the West. But we're not. We're interested in our liberty, our freedom, and our bottom line. Fuck everybody else. So, but you're right. And I'd have to say, like, you know, you could also make the same argument for Hitler that he gave yeah. his adult life for the uh, freedom and independence and liberty of his yeah. people. Not that they were occupied, but yeah. they were, you know, after World War One, uh, the Humbled. reparations placed upon them. Yes. You know, well, by the. Yeah. Yeah. You like to say you like to say, uh, say what you want about Hitler, but he killed Hitler. There's another part, say what you want about Hitler, but he did his part to end colonialism because after World War II, people are going, you know what? It's kind of hard to justify this out in the open. So it starts stripping the British Empire, yada, yada, yada. But the point is, I think you should get some credit for that. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He defeated the British Empire. <laughs> Two good things. <laughs> Two good things. He killed Hitler and he defeated mm. the British Empire. Mm. So, 
And, and, he, and he gave us the Volkswagen and autobahns. Mm-hmm. So rockets, you know, lots of good things. That Hitler did. Yeah, that. yeah. He wouldn't have landed man on the moon. We wouldn't have James yeah. Webb uh, telescope sending back yes. pretty images of the stars if it wasn't for Hitler. Right. So, um, well, so well, let's all remember that today. Yeah, thank you, Hitler. <laughs> Every time somebody posts a James Webb photo, I'm going to go, thank you, Hitler. Thanks, Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Hitler. Operation Paperclip. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, yeah, just the whole thing. <laughs> oh my God, we're going to hell. So the Ho Chi Minh, I really enjoyed, and we, you know, we have to go back and finish uh, the Vietnam War uh, yes. series at some point within forty but years. Yeah, super impressed by what we learned about Ho Chi Minh. Yeah. Then we did the the Huac Hua, ah. the Al Pacino episode <laughs> Hua. The House Un-American uh, and committee and, and the Red Scares and the the Christianization of America. That's um, right. Where we talked about guys like Father uh, Coughlin, yes. the firebrand Catholic priest who dominated the radio airwaves in the, the 30s, um, mm-hmm. hated Roosevelt, called him... Uh, Franklin uh, Rosenveld, which was actually the family's original name. So, but you know, he was he he, he was a Catholic priest, and he was an interesting character. I recall because he he um, was all about um, communist ideals, right. social reform. Uh, you know, ending the wealth disparity or doing something about the wealth disparity, taking down the rich elite. Yeah. Uh, you know, welfare for the for the common man. Uh, but at the same time, massive anti-communist. Right. Hated the communists. Just believed in everything that they wanted. Right. Like I love everything about <laughs> communism except. But the communists. Yes. I don't like the communists. I won't wear the uniform. I, I get, no. no. I love what they do, but I will not be strapping on a tunic and boots uh, anytime soon. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, as we pointed out in the series, like the sort of social and economic reform that Coughlin was arguing for was pretty common of Christians in the early 20th century. Even FDR came. Yeah. FDR came from some denomination. Can't remember which one it was, but they were big into uh, social economic welfare reform. Right. Uh, which probably has a lot to do with what he ended up doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but Coughlin hated Roosevelt, yes. which is interesting. He was an anti-Semite, Coughlin. Sure. Um, of course, well, he was a Catholic, so it goes without exactly. saying. Exactly. Uh, and, and, and again, most Americans were anti-Semites in the 30s. Most of the people in the world, most yeah. most people in the world outside of the Jews were anti-Semites, yeah. and even some of the Jews were anti-Semites. Um, that's how bad it was. That's how bad it was. Everyone hated the Jews. Uh, you know, famously, you know, in 1941, I think the Evian Conference that Roosevelt uh, uh, pulled together but didn't attend because right. he was getting a, a blowjob from his mistress uh, that was scheduled weeks in advance. He couldn't cancel it. You can't. You um, don't cancel those. No, fuck no. Um, he, uh, you know, the Evian conference, sorry, the purpose of which to remind people was to, to figure out what they were going to do with the Jews. Hitler didn't want them. Right. And, take them. Uh, Hitler had said, take them. Not yeah. only will I send them anywhere you will have them, 
I'll pay yeah. the transport. I get I'll pay to put them on the boats. I'll ship yeah. them. Pay to play. Uh, we won't even put gas chambers on the boats. <laughs> you know, we, we will, we'll leave that to you to worry about when you get them. Keep the gas Build your own tank. gas chambers. Yeah, yeah. Why, why uh, do we, I get to do your work for you? I don't have Fuck. to. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I get to build I'm your busy. gas chambers. I'm busy here with my third right. Anyway. So... <laughs> Uh, and I remember the Australian foreign minister at the time, whose name was hilariously Mr. White, <laughs> said, uh, we don't have a racial problem in Australia and we don't intend on importing one or something to that effect. God to dang. which the Australian Aboriginals said, uh, hello. Uh, and can we, um, by the way, it is like, shut up. We don't even consider you as humans. <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, yeah. You don't even have the fucking vote. Fuck off. La, 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 um, la, la, la. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So... You know, all of that happened. <laughs> but the Red Scare, so the, we had Father Coughlin. Yes. He didn't really uh, work out as the leader of the Christianization of America. So right. they got this guy, Fifield. Oh, I should oh, yeah. go to his fucking church while I'm here. Uh, my last day or two in LA, I should go check out his church because that's where it all started, right? Right. So he, he, he became the pastor of this massive church in LA and then he started preaching capitalism and Jesus and America um, or yeah. and Christianity all go together and yeah. everything else is uh, evil and you need to shun it. Now, of course, uh, part of the, the, the campaigning to get him and then eventually most of the pastors and preachers and priests in America on board with this mm -hmm. campaign was the knowledge that communism was anti-religion and pro-atheism it's all religion as a tool of the oppression of the masses right and you know I, I, the 150 million women in america who just uh, lost the right to an abortion yeah. uh, because of the christians in the supreme court might uh, agree with us now that yes. it's a tool of the oppression of the people i think so um but uh, uh so the priests and the pastors and the the preachers the three mm. p's had incentives to demonize communism because right. it was a threat to their jobs and and, and their beliefs, I guess, yeah, too. They thought, sure. well, if it comes here, people will become atheists. Now, you know, um, the irony of that is, of course, here we are 67 years later, everyone's yeah. becoming an atheist anyway um, because yeah. of the internet and science and shit like that. Um, I, don't, I don't think it's true here, but in Australia now... No religion is the uh, largest uh, uh, choice in the census when they took the last census. Wow, that's progress. In terms of your religious affiliation, no religion yeah. was the largest. I think um, Christianity or maybe Catholicism came second. I think it's Catholicism. If you add up all of the Christian denominations, it's still bigger than the atheists. But in terms of you know you know individual particular party. denomination yeah. yeah no religion came first I know it's growing here too it's 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 up around 15 17 20 percent I can't remember what the latest numbers are Pew right. poll in, in in the US would you say that the child molestations had anything to do with it I think a little bit yeah I think some people have left the Catholic Church over that um, you know I I, I we ran into a couple of Mormons in Chrissy's old hometown, or ex-Mormons, FOMOs, right. uh, um, who have left uh, 
the LDS Church in recent years over their treatment yeah. of LGBTQ uh, people. Uh, we met one woman who's got a couple of queer kids, and she right. said, I, I just couldn't I be part of it anymore, you know, their treatment of yeah. my queer children. Um, so, you know, I, there's a lot of these things that are driving people out. Right. But again, I and I can't let this go by my one of my because I get so few ringers, zingers in there. What do you call a gathering of priests? A molestation. Very proud of that. I am very. I'm, there's a coffee mug. Anyway, please continue. Is that yours? Yes. You come up with that. That's an array that's... original. Ray original. Wow, that's very good. I like. I that. might have yeah, been high that. at we should, the time. But... We should get that on a coffee mug. Send it to Get my to brother it. or brother-in-law, Eric. Yeah, I'll give it to all the Catholics that I know. There you go. <clears throat> so Fifield then put together this campaign, the spiritual mobilization campaign, um, mm -hmm. where basically they went, they said to the preachers around the country, yes, um, get on board and get free money. And they did. Yeah, and so the capitalists would sink right. money into the churches mm -hmm. of the guys that were you know, uh, speaking out about the evils of communism. Obviously, it's in the capitalists' best interest to demonize right. communism. Yes. And that's when you started to get, uh, you know, in God we trust on your coins, as in the mm -hmm. 50s, uh, and, and the, um, presidential prayer yes. days, meetings, yes. and all this kind of bullshit. Fifty-two, I think, was the first one. Mm. Something like that. Yeah. And then, of course, and, and I had to tell my uh, cousin-in-law... Um, about this, about the flag. I said, hey, yeah, you know where the flag came from? And she knew about um, the guy selling flags and the, the Pledge of Allegiance and all of that kind of stuff. She didn't know that the American... I said, do you know who designed the American flag? And they were like, yeah, it was... Whatever her name is, Mary Steenberg. Betsy Ross. Betsy Ross, yeah. I go, yeah, no, nah, no. Nah. She just stole the <laughs> British East India Company's flag. It was that old Betsy Ross thing is bullshit. It was the British East India Company's flag. You just right. went, oh, fuck it, we'll just take that one. Um, yeah. Works. Uh, the world's second corporation will take their flag and, <laughs> and use it for the nation of the corporation. How apropos. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that was the Christianization of America. Then we did the Berlin blockade, 1948. Oh, yeah. Do you remember what started the Berlin blockade, Ray, how that came to be? Were the Westerners going to flood it with a whole bunch of money or am I think their money or am I thinking of something else? I can't remember. Yeah, that was part of it. So 1947, mm -hmm. the US, the UK and the French de declared they were going to merge their zones oh, into right. Trizonia. Right. It was going to be Bizonia, the US and the UK. <laughs> the French weren't happy about the idea of uh, merged West Berlin, and then they finally gave in, so it became Trizonia. Right. Now, there was the Allied Control Commission where the those three and the Russians were all supposed to um, sit down and agree on anything that happened in Germany. Mm -hmm. and, and, and the US, the UK, and the French just decided to do this without the Russians. They just decided to press ahead. Right. Um, the Russian Form foreign minister... Walked yeah. out of the Allied Control Commission, never to return, and it was never to meet again. And then um, in '48, the in Trizonia, they decided to press ahead with economic reforms, uh, again, <coughs> ignoring the Russians. Yeah, they were going to flood it with money. 
They were going to do all sorts of stuff. And so Stalin said, uh, no, fuck you. Yeah. And an he tried to, tried to block supply of right. West Berlin because they had to go through East Berlin to get to West Berlin. And then they had the airlift and all of that kind of stuff that came with it. So again... You know, yeah. you've got this 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 growing distrust, and, and at this point, it's gone from distrust into straight up conflict. Yes, right? antagonism. The, yes, there was um, there was a, a pilot, American pilot, I think. Recall, I recall, said something about how um, on the seventh day, the Lord made the. He, he created the universe, and then on the eighth day, he created the Berlin airlift to uh, to, to convince pilots not to want to fly airplanes or something like that. It was oh, it was it was you know dicey shit. It was an amazing feat, um, yeah. the Berlin airlift. But um, yeah. you know, again, in the West, uh, the Russians get blamed for the blockade. Really, if you drill down into it, cause and effect. Um, they were the, the, the Trizonians were doing shit without the Russians. Now, of right. course, the reason they were doing that is because the Russians wouldn't agree on anything that they wanted to do. This is, again, part of... Comes from Yalta, right? Yes. Because none of this stuff was nailed down in Yalta. The Russians were like, eh, what's the hurry? We just yeah. do what we, we think. We'll talk about it next week, my friends. Later. Later. Yes. Now, of course... The Russians' concerns were that they didn't want to see the West, uh, they didn't want to see Germany built up into uh, yeah. a functioning, with yeah. a functioning economy, with a military, for good reasons. You know, Germany yeah. had invaded them twice in living memory, and uh, they didn't trust the Germans. Uh, uh, whereas the, the, the US, the UK, and the French did want to build up West Germany into an economic and military uh, powerhouse yes to use as a buffer against Russia yeah so um, you know there was blame on both sides plenty of blame good people on all sides as Donald <laughs> Trump said later on um, <clears throat> and oh. you know distrust driving all parties the the Russians distrusted the West motives in Germany yeah. The 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 uh, West distrusted Russia. Full stop, and so it, it, it ended up in the Berlin blockade, which just made things far worse. And that was sort of that was the end. This is uh, yeah, nine forty eight. This is sort of the end of any semblance of oh yeah friendship and alliance. I think between the East and the West. Yeah, I, yeah. Stalin had made his line in Eastern Europe. He made it quite clear that he wasn't going to give anything up to the Americans. That is anathema because we want to be able to sell into those markets so we don't have another economic depression. But it gets wrapped up in patriotism and freedom and liberty and all that other shit. Um, and that's taken us decades to even begin to unravel that. That's how powerful and effective this message was. Yeah. Um, so then we did a series on Israel, the, 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 the creation of Israel, which sort of happened around that was this period opener. as well, the late 40s. Yeah. I didn't realize tell me, they... Tell me more. 
I I didn't realize, maybe I should have, but I didn't realize they pretty much just busted up in there. I thought maybe it would, this was an international agreement, but the, basically the certain segment of Jews were like, nope, we're going in, we're going in hard, we're going in blazing, we're going to take shit, we're not going to give any jobs to the locals, so they have to move out, we're going to buy up their land as we can, and we're not ever going to back down. And so they wonder why that segment of the world hates them, because they pretty much just came in there and took over. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's um, important to remember that from the perspective of the the local inhabitants, the Palestinians yeah. and, you know, the the, um, uh, the 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 Turks that controlled mm-hmm. it in the early part of the 20th century before World War One. You know, it was uh, when we say the, the, the like the Jews were coming in and taking land. Most of them were Russian communists. <laughs> so they right. were they were European. They were these were white skinned, light skinned, yeah. you know, European, mostly. Yeah. Mostly Russian. A little bit of little bit of smattering of people from other parts of Europe, some German Still, Jews, some French Jews. White mostly Russians coming in and, you know, basically colonialism um, yeah. from the viewpoint of the locals. Um <clears throat> These are Europeans coming in. They just got rid of the Ottoman Empire. Right. Uh, then they got taken over by the British and the French anyway. Thanks. And uh, supposedly just temporarily. Right. Uh, <clears throat> then right. they have these mostly Russian Jews coming in. Yes. And taking over. And so, uh, yes, it, it was it was an aggressive maneuver on behalf of the uh the, the Jews who came in, we know this because their their letters to each other have survived and have been reported right. by some authors, historians, journalists. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you know, I think we said this in the series. Do I empathize with the desire of the Jews to have their own country? Yeah, absolutely. They've been yeah. treated like shit for thousands of years, uh, particularly yes. by the Christians. Uh, all around the world, of any any denomination, every everyone hated the Jews because right. they killed Jesus, right. um, and also because they're a little bit up themselves. To be honest, yeah, you know this whole we're the pie. chosen ones, right? Yeah, we're the chosen ones. God yeah. made a pact with us. Fuck you. <laughs> um, that's gonna it's always gonna rub people up the wrong way. How can it not? Yes. Yeah. So. <laughs> So it's a bit like the Mormons, right? The Mormons have the same thing. I mean, all yeah. religions have the same thing, and the Americans have the same thing. We're the best. But this, the, the whole, like, we're the chosen people, and you can all just fuck off. That attitude sure. is never, never a, a, a good one. The only people who can get away with that, quite frankly, are yeah. history podcasters like us. Like pretty, it's because uh, we are, yeah, the chosen ones. Let's face it. Yes. Listen, if you're sitting there and you're like, oh, you, you guys are shit. Listen, let me, let me remind you of something. Uh, we don't have jobs, motherfuckers. We, we don't have jobs. We sit around and get high all day. Well, Ray does. I work. Ray gets high. We sit around. We travel it's, the world. It's a partnership. Right. <laughs> we uh, we're, we yeah. don't have jobs. Yeah. So yeah. Who's, who's, who's laughing I, now? Hey, I, hey. Not just anybody could do this. Uh, yes, I hear what you're saying. We don't even do it very well. That may be true, but no one's stopping us, and we're going to keep doing it. So. <coughs> I said to a couple of Chrissy's nephews and nieces the other day, 
Look, if I'm proof of anything, because what, uh, they're, they're talking about jobs and you know, somebody, did, one of them just got fired, let go from their job. And I'm like, jobs are for losers. Like, honestly. Yeah, I said, look, your own job. If, I'm, yeah. if I'm proof of anything, it's that anybody, <laughs> uh, if they can find a small enough audience, right. a small audience of, of loyal, uh, uh, cool mm-hmm. people, yeah, you can make a living from doing whatever the fuck you want. Like, there's yep. no excuses. Yeah, you just you don't have to. You don't have to get a job. You got to anyway. jump in. Just jump in and do we it. We appreciate you, listeners. We do. Um, <clears throat> we do. Except Most of you, anyway. Some of you. Some Scotty of you B. Are when fucking, he gets yeah, Scotty B. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Chrissy said to me, "She, I was driving here, eight, driving like seven hours from Cedar uh, mm-hmm. City to L eight yesterday." And Chrissy's on face. She goes, "Oh, Scotty B." Um, once is like going, tell Cameron oh, he owes me some fucking Cold War shows. And I said, like, does he even pay us any fucking money? Last time I checked, he hadn't paid us any money. And I gave him a free account because he was broke. Right. So shut the fuck up, Scotty. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <clears throat> anyway, love Scotty. I miss Fun Scotty. Well, also, I said, by the way, tell Scotty I've been in America for a month. Uh, in California for some of that. And he lives in California. He hasn't come to visit me. So you know, he can get Selfish fucked, really. Selfish bastard. <clears throat> where was I, I? I oh israel right yeah. right yeah, yeah so yeah. yes it was it was a it was a deliberate forceful aggressive takeover of this land i i you know as i was saying before i feel for them but you know that doesn't justify taking over a country right. and pushing the existing inhabitants out or the consequences that come after that yeah 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 exactly and so. you know the the Israel, most people in Israel, Israeli government, uh, if they have such a thing at the moment, it's hard to tell. Yeah, um, they still don't acknowledge the crimes and the history that were committed. And if anyone like us mentions them, you immediately get called an anti-Semite. You're just not allowed right. to talk about it. Right. All this kind Which of bullshit. Is- it's stupid. Which, again, shows you how powerful propaganda can be. We can just label you and destroy you because you said something uh, that we didn't like. Um, so, yeah, it's powerful stuff. Try and cancel us, motherfuckers. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. We'll go out we when we decide. Fuck you. Yeah. Exactly. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> then we did a series on Tito. I was oh. sitting at a table uh, in the... Yes, um, the famous Jackson. Yeah, I was sitting at a table um, in the restaurant, in the, the restaurant, in the hotel, having breakfast this morning. There was this family next to us. The guy, I heard them speaking a Slavic language. The guy's covered in tats, right? And he looked like looked like Russian mobster. And sure. um, Chrissy, Chrissy got talking to the wife, and they're from Slovenia. Oh, cool! Part of the former, yeah, Yugoslavia. And um, I was like, oh, fucking Tito, he was the greatest. Uh, no, I didn't say that. Um, so we did the whole Tito thing. Um, you know, we've only done part of the story. We did the part up to where they they uh, took control of the country. Exactly. Break away. I um, yeah. I enjoyed that story. What What's your recollections? What's your takeaways about Tito? Oh no, uh, class act. Um, again, he was influenced by his uh, by his earlier years. But basically, like um, Ho Chi Minh. He was in love with this country. He had a plan. He had a loyal team and he was willing to sacrifice his life or at least spend his entire life 
um, when not, you know, banging some broad or whatever, but he was willing to give his life for his country to, to build it up and then to go the extra step and break away from Stalin. I mean, that's just balls the size of Texas. But again, he was a patriot, which I don't know if that word gets used a lot about him, but it should. Yeah, well, yeah, he, um, well, yeah, he, he fought against the Nazis um, and then as a, you know, once he became the top dog, um, mm-hmm. you know, played this really interesting balancing act, which we haven't finished telling his story, obviously, but was right. able to stay on relatively friendly terms with the West. The West loved him because he was open to discussion. He wasn't yeah. obviously very friendly with Stalin. And of course, the great story that we always remember about Tito is Stalin kept sending people to try and kill him. <laughs> And Tito wrote him a letter effectively saying, that's it, stop now. If you send another one, I'm going to have to retaliate and I'll only retaliate once. <laughs> Something to that effect. I'll only have to send one guy. Yeah. Yeah, so I'll have to send one you. guy. And then Stalin died like six months later. So yeah. Hey, who knows? Yeah. You might have just yeah, who knows? Yeah. History yeah. Channel, here we go. I wonder if Tito, wonder if Tito ever like took credit for it. If they ever said, hey, do you have anything to do with it? He'd be like, yeah. I'm not saying I did. I just, I'm not I just, saying I did it. Possible. It's 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 possible. Mm. Yeah. That's All I'm right. saying is, look at the timeline. That's right. Yeah. Don't fuck with me. Things happen. <clears throat> Things have a tendency to happen to people that fuck with Tito. That's all I'm saying. So, and of course, the you know part of the whole um, oh well, that and you know so this gets back to um, well, sort of what's going on in Ukraine at the moment, but. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about um, the. Uh, we'll talk about this in the bullshit filter show that we do next. But you know, we talked about the uh, in the Tito series, the uh, the 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 fascists, right? I think uh-huh. the the Croatian fascists right. that were yes. sort of aligned with the Catholics, and they were um, you know pressing. Uh, their own people and the Muslims and the whole right. thing. Um, and, you know, so Tito was one of these guys where he had to, like, like a lot of the strong men that we've talked about in the bullshit filter, mm-hmm. like um, Assad's father in Syria and guys like that, Saddam. When you have a country that's made up of peoples with uh, very long and bloody history, uh, right. Not unlike being the president of the United States, um, when you have uh, Muslims, big Muslim population who hate the Catholics, and the Catholics who hate the Muslims, and Protestants that hate the Catholics, and Catholics that hate the Protestants, and they're all they've got a long history of killing each other and and uh, pressing each other, mm-hmm. uh, and you have to kind of of uh, govern a country like that. It's uh, very, very difficult to pull off. And, of course, as we all know, Tito dies, the country dissolves exactly. and immediately just start killing each other yeah. again. Um, so <clears throat> these guys, like uh, these guys, they were strong men, but probably for a reason. And they had they power had for been. a long time. Yes. But probably for a good reason. Yeah. Because they were, they you know, it took a guy like that to keep the place... Uh, from falling apart. Now, uh, maybe that's a justification, but I, I, I think, 
I mean, it, it, it's a bit like when, when we talk about Stalin and uh, the five-year plans and the, the famines that came out of that and, and mm. all this kind of stuff. And you say, well, yes, it was horrible and it was obviously not executed well. Um, but what's the alternative? Like, what would you have done differently if you were in his shoes when you've got a massively growing population that, uh, this is in Stalin's case here, where they're sort of illiterate, Yes. Uh, missed out on the Industrial Revolution thanks to the czars. Um, what, what are you going to do when you you know the West are coming for you and the Germans are coming for you and you've got to catch up really quickly? Yes. You've got to get your food production in order. You've got to get your engineering, your industrialization in your country. You've got to catch up. You've got to build a huge military. Um, you got a couple of years to get this fucking shit done. Uh, you you got to you got to move fast, and if the people are illiterate, they're like, ah, oh, what's the hurry? We haven't yeah. done it for thousands of years. Why do we have to do it now? You got to go. All right, fuck it. All you guys in the gulag, shut the fuck up. We got to get this done. Right? That was right. Stalin's viewpoint. Yeah, and you we may disagree and say it was brutal, but what would you have done differently to get yeah. your country? You need to make a hundred years worth of progress in three years. Um, yes. How are you going to do that? Yeah, you know, and he's not going to get the benefit of the doubt from the west either way so it doesn't really matter they're going to label him a monster either way but yeah i mean he knew what was coming and he needed an industrial base and you do that by selling wheat because the world needs wheat he needs money uh you're right it was mismanaged it could have been a lot better but he was doing what he thought was right in order to save the country yeah and so you got tito um not without his flaws, yeah. um, but strong man. Speak for themselves, like you said. A lot of the infighting, he stopped it. And the second he's gone, comes right back. So you got to give him credit for that. Those tensions uh, in places like that don't go away. Exactly. They're probably still there yeah. today. Yes. Yeah. So then we talked about the creation of the CIA. Uh, oh, yeah. Wow. Um, oh, I just put something up on the coat. Uh, Cold War Facebook page about some brand of pants is using the CIA as their in their in their in their commercial. They're something like if CIA had pants or if CIA were pants, that's how tough these pants are. I'd never seen anything like that before, so I just threw it up on the Facebook Cold War page to check out. But anyway, um, but yeah, they have a reputation for being tough for being able to get things done, the impossible things. But as we now know, they fucked up more than they did not. They cost tens of thousands of lives. I don't know how many millions or billions or trillions of dollars over the year. Pretty fucked up organization, but somehow their reputation among certain circles stays intact. I seem to recall there was one one line about how, and this is not this is in the 70s, like during the church committee hearings. Um, right. Less than, I think, a quarter of covert CIA operations in its history up to that point had, were, had been approved by a president or any other senior oh, um, civilian. Right. So they're yeah. just the wild cards on their own, just <laughs> doing their own fucking thing. Yeah. Yeah, it was all, you know, a lot of it was... Um, Black ops, um, plausible buried, deniability. Uh, plausible yes. deniability, yes. hidden from the American people and hidden from the American president, hidden from Congress. You're welcome. Then, and that must still be true today. I mean, there's this <laughs> idea that it was all cleaned up after the church yeah. committee hearings, Frank Church, but in the 70s, but uh, I don't think anyone really believes that. 
Uh, no, no one who's you know pays attention really believes right. that they're not still doing that kind of shit. Who's the guy that worked for Trump as an advisor? He had the big giant mustache. He wrote a book. John. Bolton. 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 John. Do you hear what he said? You probably heard what he said the last forty-eight hours when he was talking about Trump. He goes, "Look, I've been in on some some coups, some overthrows. Not here." obviously, but I've been involved some in my time. This is a coup, but the way he gets, yeah, no, yeah, I was in on toppling other governments. That was kind of jams, but I was not involved in this one. I just want to make that absolutely clear. And people are going, you don't say that out loud. Th those are the words you don't say out loud. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll do, talk about that more on the bullshit yeah. filter, but yeah, he was on Jake Tapper. And oh, he basically said, yeah. He said Trump didn't have the brains or the balls to do a coup d'etat in, in America, January 6th. He said, and I should know, because I've been involved in quite a few. Right. Uh, not here, mind balls. you. No, no. And then he mentioned Venezuela and the whole Guaido thing. Yeah, that was us. Yeah, 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 yeah we did yeah, that. We yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't yeah. work. Yeah, it was hard. Close. Harder than it looks. We came close. Coups are harder than they look. That's right. Yeah. CIA. <clears throat> yeah. And of course, at the time, um, the Trump administration and Bolton were denying any involvement in oh, uh, the no, coup no. attempts in Venezuela. Now Bolton's like, yeah, yeah, that was yeah. us. Of course, that was us. Was uh, <clears throat> so, yeah, the CIA, like, I, I still believe, I've often I've said this for years, um, I still believe it's true. The CIA is the world's largest and longest running uh, terrorist organization. Yes. Um, outside of maybe the Catholic Church. Um, the, the, it that. is a terrorist organization, and I mean that genuinely, legitimately, because it is financed and 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 directed, right? Sometimes directly and indirectly, sometimes indirectly, uh, engineered terrorism on a massive scale around the world. Death squads yes. in in places in Latin America and South America. Um, you know, uh, uh, attempts at overthrowing governments and, and, and successfully overthrowing governments by creating uh, riots, including, uh, you know, up until 2014 in Ukraine, mm -hmm. uh, the the overthrow of the government there. Right. We know that the Americans were involved in that. At least we, we know that they were involved in figuring out who was going to run the country afterwards. Mm -hmm. Good reason to believe they were involved in supporting and, and engineering through various CIA fronts um, the riots and the protests, etc., that happened before. So, uh, yeah, this is their job, is, is yes. to terrorise and overthrow governments. So the CIA is a terrorist organisation, I think, by any definition of terrorism, if you understand, you know, the history Absolutely. of the CIA and its, its yeah. current activities. Right. And then we got into the Korean War, which we're still technically doing. Uh, do you want to provide a quick summary to the Korean War? Well, the whole thing started with uh, the uh, the necessities of World War II. Let's, you know, the Japanese are there. They've been there since, what, 1910. We got to get them out. They're running the place. But for right now, because we have multiple attack opportunities, let's divide the country in half. The Russians take the north. The rest of the allies will take the south. And, we'll and not unlike Yalta, we'll work out the details later. Well, it all falls apart because the South Koreans... Uh, one, one thing, the uh, the Russians who were there um, really don't care 
uh, they don't care. But Simon Reed turns out to be an, a complete asshat, but he's a Christian, so that's okay. He wants it all. Uh, uh, Kim uh, in the North um, has different ideas. And so, again, a lack of communication, a, a distrust. Everybody's get, got ambitions and everybody thinks they're being backed by someone that's powerful. And so you try to bully your way in. And then pretty soon you have a shooting war. Again, no one was willing to listen to the other side or compromise. Yeah, I'd add to that that the original plan when they divided the country up along the 38th parallel was that it would be unified. Yeah. That was After they got rid of the Japanese, it would be unified. Right. But of course, by the time that became a possibility, uh, the the South wanted to control the whole country. The Americans wanted it to be uh, controlled by an American uh, friendly yes. government, yes. even though the Americans knew Syngman Rhee was a piece of shit and they didn't like him. <laughs> but he's our piece he, of shit. He's our piece of shit, yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and the North, Kim, and the Russians wanted the entire country to be unified under a Soviet-friendly government. And neither side was willing to give in or concede. And at this stage, of course, 1950, uh, the, the late 40s and 50, when it all was, you know, became a, a shooting match, right. um, the distrust levels between the West and the East were, were insurmountable. Yeah. And you had, uh, you know, in that period, in the late 40s, you had George Kennan write his X article about mm. containment, and that sort of gets uh, metastasizes in the U.S. to, you know, we need to throw everything that we have at this. You have the Truman Doctrine. Uh, you have um, the National Security, uh, was it 56, uh, whatever the, so 65, 56, can't remember the document that says, uh, that Truman signed off that basically says, we will do whatever it takes to right. stop the communists from getting one inch of ground. Jesus. Um, and, and, you know, we've got to protect our strategic interests around the world. 65, I think, is the number coming into my head. Um, so you, you you end up with this situation in the Korean War early on where uh, nobody can get along. Then it looks like the South are going to attack the North. South certainly wanted to attack the North. The North claimed that the South did attack them first mm -hmm. and then they retaliated. The South claims that the North started it. The, the Americans were convinced that Stalin was driving the whole thing and it was yeah. all part of, it was the first step in a worldwide takeover, even though Stalin really had nothing to do with it, didn't right. really, you know, sort of belatedly said, yeah, look, if you do it, I won't get in your way. Because the Americans um, had said, who was the Secretary of State at the time, at this stage, it was... Um, God, I'm Richard? Atchison, I think. Atchison. Dean Atchison. I okay. Think. All right. Um, had basically given a speech, say, you know, talking about oh, all of America's right. strategic interests and Korea wasn't one of them. So yeah. Kim and Stalin saw this as a, as a signal from the US that they didn't really care about South Korea. Right. And certainly it had never appeared on any list of strategic interests up until that point. So uh, Stalin said, yeah, okay, I think you, you got the go-ahead, but don't say it came from me. <laughs> and um, then when it happened, the Americans got involved very quickly. Um, they weren't really ready for another conflict because Truman had been demobilizing things. Yes. MacArthur came in, um, had some quick victories, got, went over the 38th parallel, uh, pushed all the way up to the Yalu River, and then Mao was like, don't go, don't, 
Don't come anywhere yeah. near the don't Yalu River. Nope. Don't don't come nope. near the Yalu nope. River. I'm telling you, don't come near the Yalu River. <laughs> I'm telling you for the fiftieth time, don't get anywhere near yeah. the Yalu River. They went to the Yalu River. Mao attacked, and the MacArthur went, "What? We didn't. What? 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 No warning. What? 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 What's that? Gas. Complete surprise, shock, and surprise. What? <laughs> How dare they? This is I, stab in the back, if you ask me. This is crazy. <laughs> yeah. All I was going to do Fuck. was go up in, to your border and go over and shoot you in the face, and now hmm. we're not friends anyway. Yeah. Take out your power stations and that kind <laughs> of thing. God. So and that's so, um, so I think that's a quick summary of uh, the Cold War up until this point. Two hundred and eighteen. Mm. We've done two hundred and seventeen episodes nice. over six plus years, yeah. and that's it in an hour and whatever. Um, yeah. Summary. So if we can live another fifty years or so, or sixty mm. years, I, we can lock this thing down. So. Mm. Should say to new listeners, look, you don't have to listen to the first 217 episodes. <laughs> Just, Just start to with 218 and uh, pick it up from there. Right. If you want the if you want the cheap short version, yeah, yeah. But there's a lot of there's a lot of meat. There's a lot of good jokes in there. Uh, so maybe cheap it's worth short, the time. aka the Ray version, the, the cheap Ray. and short. <clears throat> Not wrong. Well, that's the Cold War. Uh, I'll be back in America, no, uh, Australia next week. And yeah, yeah. Uh, we will restart our normal work schedule. Um, yes. And start pushing out some episodes. I don't know what we're doing. Are we still doing Korean War when I get yeah, back? Yeah, we got to, well, MacArthur's about to go, no gum, no gum. So we got to get cover of that. No gum? Nukem. It was my accent. Oh, Nukem. Right. No gum, uh, right. no gum for you, bastards. Yeah, the great gum. The great, the great American right. gum blockade of nineteen fifty, <laughs> which explains why there's no gum in North Korea today. That's, yeah, that's true. That's, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Go to North Korea, you cannot find gum. People complain there is no gum. Curtain has descended across the continent.